intimate knowledge of body, soul, and spirit, and unlimited music Sitar player, a conga player, bongo, pang, what do you recall those things? Tablas, tablas, and we'll just start our own music. We'll make Guy Sweeney's just cower and shy away from our music because our music has to do with God's word. And that's the way our ministry was. It was called the Way International. I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to say anything about it. You go look it up on the Internet, and it's so full of lies. I, I, it's just disgusting. I was there firsthand. There was the most loving, kind, sweetest people who treated each other with the love of God. And that's what I want for this ministry. Christ in a ministry fellowship. That's what we are. We're ambassadors for Christ. We are lights of God. We are ambassadors for God. We represent the one true God in this whole planet. You walk into a church. I've got friends in there. And their language is so foreign to me. It's so foreign that I said, where did you get that? Where did you get that, that we're adopted sons and that we're the bride of Christ and that we're the, <laughs> water baptism over and over. Where, where, where did you get all that? 
You see, I really can't talk to them. I have nothing in common with them. And you can't change what's so ingrained in these people that are in organized church. God bless their hearts. And then the songs they sing. I just want to puke. It is so far from the accuracy and integrity of God's word. Oh, I'm the child of the king. Jesus Christ never had any children. You're not child of the king. What stupid verses can they come up with? Apparently, this group Hillsong is in big doo-doo, big trouble. Their music was their ministry, but their music was so far off, I don't know what kind of problems they're having. I don't care. Every organized religion ministry, let me turn this bright light out until I need it, is followed by scandal, you know, that divides them. You know what divides them? Is a lie is what divides them. It's the truth that offends them. Jesus Christ said to the crowd, his disciples, not too many days longer, I'm going to be dead. Buried three days in the ground. And some of his disciples couldn't handle it. They said, he said, does this offend you? And they walked away and never returned. So our ministry was bold. We spoke the truth. And I'm comparing it to this ministry because you and I, we're going to speak God's word. Me and Ravi are so like-minded. And occasionally he'll come up with something that's not quite the vocabulary of God's word. I gently... Behind the scenes, I don't go out and say, hey, Ravi, you blew it. Michael, you blew it. I wrote it wrong. I said it wrong. You don't do that. You lovingly reprove someone. You carefully take them by the shoulder, show them in the scriptures where it says something similar, but similar is not identical. This is where the Trinitarians get it wrong. They think that Jesus Christ is identical to God. Similar is not identical. His love was the love of God. His love, his compassion was uncomparable to any man on the planet or woman. That compassion was God's compassion for man. Look, he might have, supposedly people wonder, well, how could he create a flood and drown these people? Well, maybe he didn't. Maybe there's another take. Did you ever consider Revelation 12 where it says the devil drowned those people? Well, how do you reconcile that? I will teach that to you someday. It wasn't God's doing that drowned those people. It was the devil's. 
I'm going to teach you how that fits one day. But right now, you're not ready for it. Only when you're into the higher chosen echelons of initiated mystery can you even understand Christ in you. <laughs> Christ in you, the hope of glory, is the true Christianity. It, they were called Christians because they had Christ in them. They kept going around saying, I've got Christ in me. So they called them Christians. And I'm here to tell you that pretty soon we're going to be coming under more and more and more attack. I've seen it happen. This is why I believe I've been called to lead this mission and movement is because I've experienced the attacks of the devil and his wily ways before. And I'm wise to him. I'm wise. I can see right through what he's doing right now. He's messing with my equipment. He's messing with my staff. He's messing with my finances. He's messing with my people that I love. He's messing with families. He'll try to attack you any way he can. And I'm under such attack right now. But you know what? I don't have one whiplash across my back. I'm not wrapped up in a goat skin with water that's shrinking, squeezing me to death like Paul was and whiplashed him. 39 lashes he, he took several times. You know why it was 39 lashes? Because if the Roman soldier whipped him 41 times, by mistake, the Roman soldier would have to take the 41 lashings, or the 40 lashings. And those lashings were whips that on the tips of those whips were sharp bones like a shark's teeth. You don't think that didn't rip your skin off and agonize you? Paul went through it. You remember when he got knocked off his horse because he was rounding up Christians? Believers at the time were called the way and that's why our ministry was called the way. I will defend them to my death. There was nothing but love, happiness, peace, joy, truth came out of that ministry. And everything that is on the Internet, everything that is in word of mouth, even close friends put it down because they don't have the courage to stand on God's word. And I want that love that connection. I want that peace, joy, and love to live again. I'm determined to see that love rise to the occasion because the more that devil SOB attacks, the more I want to fight. And how am I going to fight? I'm going to fight with God's word. God's word is a sword. That's that sword, you know, that uh, Excalibur stuck in the ground, stabbed, stuck in the rock. Couldn't, no man could pull it out except the one who believed. Same with Thor. He's got that hammer, you know. 
throws that hammer out there, woo! Nothing can stop that hammer. Trying to stop God's word with a few political tricks, with a few political, what do you call it now? Woke, wokeism, that's it, you're woke. Let's throw a little bit of, well, Jesus was really gay. He was really married to Mary. They had children. All of this stuff, there's pages that were taken out of the Bible by the Catholic Church or hidden in a vault. Reincarnation was really taught by the Catholic Church. Baloney. There's nothing in the Word of God that would indicate anything come close to reincarnation. Why would Jesus Christ have to die to overcome death if reincarnation we were going to live again? But we really aren't living again if the reincarnation is real, I tell my New Age friends. I speak New Age. I love my New Age friends. They're kind, they're courteous, they're loving, but they got a couple problems. They don't think they're going to die. <laughs> Ah, I go to their funerals. I'm sitting there looking at him. He's dead. Well, Jesus Christ said, even though we shall die, we shall live again. I get that. A man's going to look dead for a while. <laughs> death, if death was a moving on to another higher level of enlightenment, then why does death call the last enemy that shall be destroyed? If that's true, then death is our enemy. Death is our strongest enemy. It's the only one the devil has that scares and he has power over. The devil has the power over death. Robbie's going, man, he's teaching the wrong teaching tonight. Did I get that right? <laughs> no, we're going to teach on sonship versus fellowship. God bless you. You are the finest audience I've ever spoken to in my life. I want to tell you that. I, I, I'm going to go to the chat room. I, my other computer isn't charged up. You see, I get these technical problems. I go over to my other computer to check my chat room, and it's there's no charge cord. Where'd it go? My dog ate it? I don't know. So I want <clears throat> to tell you something. I want to go over something in the Word that is one of the strangest translations and this translation was meant to steal from you your sonship rights. As a son of God, you have a right to his righteousness, his sanctification, which makes you separated from the entire world, his justification, which makes you innocent as if you were never guilty, his redemption, which has redeemed you from sin, from every sin past present, and future, and eternal life. These are our sonship rights, and the righteousness of God is ours now. I don't have to work for it. When I went, oh, I don't know, 
couple, two or three years ago. I said, look, I'm, look God, this is it. I'm going full bore. I'm announcing. You know, I didn't always tell my friends, my cousins, my, my family members. I was a non-Trinitarian. They just, they would, they would go crazy. You heretic, you're cultist, you're a madman. Of course, there's a trinity. You're not a believer. You're ungodly. You're a cult. Well, I just avoided that for many years, and I just hung around with millions of friends or millions around the world, and whenever I could meet them, those of the way ministry, who did not believe in three-in-one gods. One plus one plus one is three, not one. I just said, Lord, I'm going public with this. Now it's in your hands. This is your baby. And you know what? I haven't gotten hardly attacked by any of my friends. Hardly any. I've seen a few drop off, fade away. They're not as strong. They don't click and like as much as they used to. But by golly, there's so much word of God that comes out of a non-Trinitarian point of view, like Ravi says. Look at it from another point of view. Consider it, and you're going to find some enlightenment. By golly, there is no Trinity, and the word fits when there isn't one. How can you be the Son of God and God at the same time? There is no such thing. You can't be God and have a God. You know, God made our minds to be logical. He did. They don't want us to be logical. They don't want us to think that God made our minds and our hearts and our souls those are meant to be loving, kind, compassionate. But they, he did make our mind to be logical. It's logical. And that's when the word fits. Christ is the wisdom and the power of God. Not the Trinity. So let's take, this is what a point I'm getting to. We're just going to take one word or two words tonight. This sonship versus fellowship is a major, major cause of division and wrong teaching since the beginning of the movement. Look, the Catholic Church was the church. Let's face it. That's who ran the show about mm, 100 and 220 A.D. on. And all they did was muck it up. And let's have a council. And let's have a decision. And let's have a vote. And let's do this. None of it had to do with the original. Man, if I would have had the original Greek manuscripts back then, whoa, thank God they were preserved. And as far as I can know, my mentor... Walter Cummins is the foremost, the foremost manuscript, Greek manuscript, understanding professor, detailed person alive. 
And every once in a while, I'll pick up his books, and I swear he's up in Tennessee. I'm going to go visit him. I love the man. He was Dr. Weirwell's right-hand man, and he married his daughter, too. <laughs> so Walter Cummins can look at those Greek manuscripts, and they're, they're as late as 400 A.D., I believe, accurately. And they're hidden away somewhere, I believe, in Germany. I don't know, somewhere in Europe. But they're not in some vault in the Catholic Church like they would have you believe. At least the Catholics admit this. We believe in Scripture only as the truth. The Bible, the Word of God, is the only truth. Well, at least the Catholics admit we believe in tradition, the Pope's interpretation, uh, experience, and a little bit of Scripture and tradition. Evangelists, no, they don't say that. What we believe is based on Scripture only. And they believe the same thing the Catholics do. <laughs> They're just Catholic light, L-I-T-E. There's no difference. No difference in the water. None. There's no holy water. Who invented this holy water stuff? You know these guys get on TV here in America. They sell you their holy water. If you'll just send in $29.95, I'll give you this pamphlet, ma'am. I'll give you this vial of holy water. Every time you feel the need, when you're down and out, or when you need to heal yourself, just take that holy water, sprinkle it on you, rub it on your forehead, and send in another $29.95 for the next bottle of holy water. Well, I'm going to open up reading from Isaiah, of all places. Now, let me tell you the premise. They tell you to teach what you're going to teach them. Teach them, then tell them what you just taught them. So that's what I'm going to do. Sonship versus fellowship is the difference between eternal life and the way you walk and behave. That's all it is. And they're both mentioned in Scripture, and they're both accurate. And they're, they're written to us. They're not written to the Old Testament. They're not written to the Old Prophets. They're not even written to the Gospels. Sonship has to do with seed, S-E-E-D. It's in my chapter in my book, Seed, God's Family. Chapter 3, I believe. One of these days, I'm going to read that book. <laughs> God wanted a family. That was the purpose. That was our eternal purpose, quite frankly. To have a family, God wanted a spiritual family. That's why God had him. That's why he gave Adam a spirit. Apparently, Adam didn't give a darn. You know, when you have a diamond, a rock the size of a baseball, a diamond, someone just gives it to you, and you misplaced it somewhere, well, how much do you care? You don't care. I didn't pay anything for it. I just lost it. Well, Adam didn't 
earn or pay or do anything to get that spirit. It was just given to him. And But when he lost it, he missed it. He wasn't like David and the later prophets when David was in trouble. Lord, do anything, but take not your Holy Spirit from me. He knew how much power, how much life, how much godliness it gave him. It, it separated him from all the other men. He knew he was going to die. He would lose a war. He would be nothing without God's Spirit. He knew he was of nothing without it. And we're born into this world nothing without it. We're innocent. We have beautiful souls. I know that. We've got eyes, five senses. Fortunately, a lot of people aren't born with all five senses. I, I, I can't wrap my head around that. I can't wrap my head around being blind. And I know in India there are a lot of blind people. It must be. You have to have compassion and understanding and pray in the tongues and pray in the spirit for that person, but there's nothing else you can do about it unless God gives you the revelation to heal them, and there have been blind people healed from birth. So, as we approach the half-hour mark, the premise is your sonship is your new seed that you, I'm going to say you earned it, but in a way only because believing is what you had to do to receive it. Adam did not even have to believe it, and his spirit was upon a condition. On a, upon a condition, he did not eat from the fruit of the tree of good and, life, good and evil. So now Jesus Christ comes along. God raises him from among the dead, and he becomes, he was planted in the ground. He came up incorruptible, as Peter said. Now we're born again of incorruptible seed, it cannot be touched by the devil. It cannot be taken from you. It cannot go anywhere. Now you are made whole. To be saved is the word so-so in the Greek. It means you are made whole, complete. Wherever, every man in this world is not born in the image of God. If that were true, we would all be spiritual beings. You're not born with spirit, so you're not born with the image of God. It's a lie. It's the biggest lie perpetrated in this world. God doesn't have hands and heads and ears like we do. That's not what it's referring to in the image of God. The woman at the well and Jesus told her, God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the image of God that we are born without and missing is spirit. So you're not in the likeness of God when you're born. Get that out of your head. And don't let the person, next time a person says, well, we're all born in the image of God. Oh, you say, really? Show me. Show me where you were born with the spirit. Show me. Because it is the spirit of God that is the image of God. Just read chapter 4. It is very clear. The woman at the well in Jesus' conversation 
that God is spirit. Not only is he spirit, he's holy. So when you get born of God's spirit, you have his holiness, you have his spiritualness, and you have his image. But until you're born again, you don't have it. So don't try to tell me that 7 billion people around the world are in the image of God. They're in the image of a bunch of human wackos. <laughs> God love them. Now, where does this come cross-referencing with fellowship? That's what I'm going to teach you in a matter of probably 30 or 40 minutes. We may run over. But this is, comes in 1 John. 1 John reads everything that's contrary to what we've been reading in the epistles. The epistles say you're born again, you don't have any sin in your spirit, you've been, eternal life has been given to you, and that you are God's son and he loves you. But all of a sudden, 1 John comes along toward the end of the scriptures, First Testament, Old Testament, New Testament. And when I find my glasses, I'm going to read it right after I read Isaiah. Well, you know what? I think now that I think about it, let's read 1 John first. Get the context. People, one of the lessons we're going to teach you in our new basic Bible class is that one of the things you must have in order to understand the word is the context. Well, what's the context? All apparent scripture that has, or all apparent contradictions in the scripture usually come from one of four things. The context, it's been how it's been used before, translation, and cross-referencing. Those four things, if you get those four things right, then you'll rightly divide the word. So now here's what the Catholics did, the butcher, what God did. And there's another topic I want to get to called the word adoption. Adoption. Somebody remind me to get back to that word because it's very deceptive and I don't know how it crept into the King James as of the word adoption. Many of my fellow like-minded, like-minded people, mind you, are believe, they buy into that word adoption. Now, let me ask you something. I, I love you. If you're adopted, you're just as loved by God as other, and other people and by your parents as anyone else would be. I don't want to disparage anyone who's been adopted. But the word adoption is used in the scripture. And it's not referring to a child who has the same standing as the, as the one who is born of the seed. Okay? We'll get to that in a minute. So 1 John, 1 John is the one that sort of came along and 
in my understanding, he didn't muck it up. He just sort of straightened it out. But the way it's written can be a little confusing. All right, I admit it. But when you rightly divide it, you study it, it's in my word, it's in my book, Christ in a Mystery, a Mystical Approach to Conscious Enlightenment out of the Scriptures. It's very clearly written in there in more than one place, distinctly for the purpose of rightly dividing the word between being a son of God by birth and being a son of God by adoption. How can you be a son of God by adoption? That's called a Jew. <laughs> that's what that's called. Jews weren't born of the seed of God. Jews were adopted. A born-again son of God is what you and I were or are. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. So let me get to the topic before we run out of tape. First John the epistle, it's right after Peter, Second Peter. That which was from the beginning, and we're not talking about Genesis. We're talking about from the beginning of this foretold ministry and Messiah that was coming. We're talking about the beginning with John the Baptist and Jesus and the Gospels and all of the stories and all of the miracles and all of the things he did to accomplish what it took to give us the seed of the new birth. That's the beginning. We're not talking about Genesis. Now, the beginning which we have, uh, have heard, which we have seen with our eyes. Well, you didn't see anything with your eyes in Genesis, did you? So it has to be a different beginning which we have looked upon with our eyes, which we have held in our hands, have handled of the word of life. The word of life. You know, there are a lot of metaphors for the word. One of them is seed. The word is the seed. The word is the spirit. The word is the seed. And what is the source of the seed? Life. Scientists can take apart a seed, but they can't put it back together because they cannot put life together. Only God. So this life that was in this seed, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that this eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested in unto us. It doesn't say incarnated, does it? You know, John changes language here. He doesn't, also, he doesn't say became flesh either. Now he's using the term manifested. Manifested. Totally different. That which we have seen, I just read, which the Father... And that which we have seen and heard declare unto you that you may also have what? Fellowship. Fellowship. Now what is the context? Remember I told you 
What are the things to look for in rightly dividing and making the word accurate is the context. So if it were anything else than fellowship, it would say sonship, but that's not what it says. It's talking about fellowship. What is fellowship? Fellowship is merely your behavior and your walk with God once you've become a son of God. has nothing to do with your sonship. If you're out of shape, if you're out of whack, you make the wrong choice, do you lose your sonship? Look, what's your daddy's name? Kumar? <laughs> if you're out of line with Mr. Kumar and you don't speak to him for five years, is he still your daddy? Yes. Are you in fellowship with him? No. This is the comparison. This is the comparison. This is the context of 1 John. Now, we're talking about fellowship, not sonship. And these things we write unto you, that your joy may be full. Look, you're going to have a lot more joy when you're in fellowship than when you're out of fellowship. I've been out of fellowship. It's no fun. This, then, is the message which we have heard of him and declare, that means to make known unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We've talked about this before, and we are the children of light. And if you say that you have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. In other words, you're cheating on someone's business partner. Well, you're out of fellowship. God doesn't want you to cheat. God supplies all your needs. You know, you would be happy with whatever God gave you. Why do you try to make more, hey, more money, more, 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 like James Bond movie said, the world is not enough. You want more. That's just man's nature. Well, God will take care of you. But if you get out of fellowship, you try to take care of it yourself, then you're in a bad mood, bad place. But you haven't lost your sonship. You're still Mr. Kumar's son. Okay. So if we say that we have fellowship and don't walk in darkness, then it doesn't work. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sin. Well, this is the confusion. We've already been spiritually Cleansed from all sin. But this is in our mind, people. This fellowship thing is in our mind. And it's God doesn't sit there and make you feel guilty. This guilt comes from you. It comes from Satan. Oh, you stole from your business partner. You are a dirty scum. You're not worthy of being God's son. So... This is how we let the adversary in our minds. 
The mind is the battlefield of the devil and God. Our renewed mind, when you renew your mind to the word of God, you will be and remain in fellowship. Do it daily. Just do it. Okay? So we have fellowship one with another, and Jesus Christ cleanses us. In other words, if we say we have no sin, and look, that's like saying, I'm going to walk a perfect life. No, you're not. And when it says remission of sins, that means God forgave you for every sin you ever did, will commit in the future. So you've already been forgiven of it. Where is it not forgiven? In your mind. In your mind. You're feeling guilty. It just works that way. It's the way we're wired as humans. Okay? So, if we have that we have, or if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. It's not in where? Your mind. Your truth is in your spirit. I'll get there. I'm going to get to show you something that's going to blow your mind, how this can be so apparently contradictory yet fit like a hand in a glove. It fits logically. God is not stupid. He wants you to be logical. So if we confess our sins, look, I blew it. Mr. Business Partner, Mr. Kumar, can we be friends again? Yes. I didn't lose your sonship ever. You're still my son. I love you. It's like the same with the prodigal son. He came home. He was still his father. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Where? In your heart and mind. That's where. Where does it count your sonship? In the spirit, in the seed of life in you. Your eternal life. So now we've got the context all straightened out. Okay? And hereby we know him if we keep his commandments. Well, what is his commandments? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. Thou shalt love the Lord our God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. If you keep his commandments, one of them is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. That's the number one commandment when asked, Jesus was asked that. So if you're walking around a Trinitarian, you're out of fellowship every day of your life. That's what drives me crazy. These Trinitarians are not in fellowship. They're whack jobs. And they'll argue about it. And their arguments are illogical, irrespectful of God's word, and they're not obedient to God. So none of them, none of them are in fellowship. I don't care if it looks like they prosper, if they love one another. I don't care. They're all out of fellowship because they're all disobedient to God's number one commandment. He has said, I know him and keepeth his commandments. Is a liar, and the truth is not in him. It's the biggest lie, the biggest hoax, the biggest hoax perpetrated upon mankind as I open my tyranny of the Trinity 
website, Facebook site. And it's going to be the biggest problem in the end of Revelation. Why does God hashtag Babylon so much? Hashtag Babylon. <laughs> Why does he talk about Babylon so much? Because Babylon is the source of idolatry, the source of all disobedience to God, and it was the source of all of this idolatry, worshiping other gods. Sex, money, lust, power, fame, that's not idolatry. Those are the manifestations of idolatry. Those are the results. You don't lose your Holy Spirit. David said, well, why did David keep his spirit when he did all of those crimes, murder, lust, all of that stuff? But Solomon did the same thing. Yet David was called the apple of God's eye, and Solomon lost Israel, and it became eventually captive into Babylon because he was an idolater. He never did. David never, ever looked to other gods, never considered it. That's the difference. He that say he abideth in him ought to be himself also to walk even as he walked. Therefore, brethren, I write a new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. Well, you weren't there in Genesis, so you didn't hear it then. <laughs> from the beginning of what? John the Baptist. Repent for the day of the Lord is coming. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. And what is it we have heard from the beginning? That there is one God. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because life, the life or the darkness is past, and the true light is now shineth. He that saith he's in the light and hateth his brother goes on, but it goes on and on to tell you the context of what it's like to be out of fellowship. And I'm going to, to go on to one thing here. Look at verse or chapter 3. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Hmm. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. We are sons by birth, people, not by adoption. We're going to get there in a minute. Beloved, I want you to listen to this. Now, N-O-W. It's the same word in Hindi, same word in Ukrainian, same word in French, N-O-W. It means now. Now we are the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be what? Like him. For we shall be, see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself 
even as he is pure. I want to get to that verse. So how do you reconcile 1 John with the rest of the epistles? You go to the context. Catholics never did that. They made the priest, you got to go to a priest to confess your sins. You got to go to a priest to get back in order. They thought it was your sonship you lost. That's what they taught. I don't think they knew any better either. I think some of them may have, some of them may have not. But it was the power that it gave them, the power over you. So it became tradition, and it has been the main tradition of the Christian so-called church. It's really the Trinitarian church. There is no Christian church. It's really the Trinitarian organized whore of Babylon. That's what God calls it. It's the whore of Babylon, and it's the first thing to be destroyed to come down when God returns with his son. The whore of Babylon. That's what he hates the most is idolatry. So, how could it possibly say here in uh, 1 John, whosoever, look at this, 3, verse 5. No, it can't be 5. Let me look in the light. 3, verse 9. Listen to this and get this in your thick skull, <laughs> my lovely, beloved believers. Whosoever is born of God does not commit sin. Whoa! <laughs> we just heard him say, if you say you're no sinner, you're a liar. But here it says, whosoever is born of God in John 3, 9, does not commit sin. For his what? Seed. Seed. Let's get that word seed through your mind, your DNA. You, I am the seed of my father, Bill Meyer, a test pilot, back in the 50s. He divorced my mom. I rarely saw him, but I was still his son. Wasn't I? Whosoever is born of God cannot commit sin, and his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Well, what part of you cannot sin? It's the spirit, the seed in you. That's how God made this whole arrangement happen. That's why biology, a woman cannot have sex with three men. She's only going to get pregnant with one, the seed. <laughs> That's why God ranged a lot of things. An acorn drops from a tree, you're not going to get a banana tree. Everything after its kind. Well, once we're born of God's seed, which is Christ, Christ is the seed, it says in Galatians, God needed a seed so we could all be a spiritual family, and he gave us the seed of Christ. That's what he did. So it's the spiritual part of you. 
You see, John, he makes his leap here. But the leap is really not that much of a leap when you divide fellowship from sonship. Verse 9 is talking about sonship. The beginning of 1 John is talking about fellowship. It tells you that. This is where they all get it mucked up. Mucked it up. Then it goes on. This is an important part for you. Why is it so important to stay in fellowship? And I'm going to tell you right now. If you want the heart's desire of God in your life, stay in fellowship. This is why. In uh, further down, 14, we know that we have passed from death unto life. Did you know that? We've already passed from death unto life. We don't go through a judgment. We don't. The judgment seat or the bema in Corinthians, only mentioned one time, that's the seat of rewards like they're given in the Olympics. So don't sit there and think you're going through a judgment. We've already, it says, we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. God's already passed us through that judgment. He's just going to put us up there on the gold, brass, silver awards. That's it. We're not going to be judged. We're already born again. We're already sons of God now. Get that through your heads. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Verse 18. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him for our heart condemn us. That's right. Our heart will condemn us. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So he knows what's blocking you from receiving and condemning yourself. He knows what it is. So go to him and he'll remove it. That's when you say, God, I'm sorry. I don't sit there and go, over one sin and another sin and another, a mischoice, a bad choice. I just say, God, I thank you for having forgiving me of my being out of fellowship. That's all I say. And I'm back in fellowship. He knows that. He already knows you were going to do that. So the reason we do that is so he can remove the blocks to your heart so he can give you the things of your heart and keep you happy. That's just the wonder of this whole mystery. Wow, it's in my book. And hereby we know that we are the truth. For if our heart condemns us, that means it's guilt. And guilt does not come from God or what I said, God. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemns us not, then we have the confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Well, I'm going to put that part down. I think I've made my point there. I really do. Now we're going to get into the sons of God part. 
We just got into the fellowship of the sons of God. And I'm going to read you out of the scripture something that has to do with a comparison. Look, sometimes we go through life and we get off the reservation. I myself, mystic guide, I got off the reservation. I didn't deserve it, but they threw me in prison for it. In any other country, any other town, it would not have been a crime. It would not have been, I know by ever have been violent. No way have I ever been unkind to anyone or, well, I have been, but a little road rage. <laughs> Look, it was for a different reason. Remember Joseph said, God, the devil, captured me. His brothers captured him, threw him in a ditch. He said what the devil meant for bad, God meant for good, and Joseph turned around, the king of Egypt. And what God, Satan meant for bad, God turned around in my life. He turned it around, got me to slow down, get back on course, get back on the reservation, and I've never looked back since. Sometimes we just need it. We need a little spanking. <laughs> and it's, you know why God does that? Because he knows that you have rewards coming. And he doesn't want you to lose your rewards. It's in Philippians. Paul says, it's in Philippians. <laughs> Don't have, I might get to it here in a minute. But, he wants you to have these rewards so he gets you back in line. He finds a way. He grabs you by the collar, says, look, sit down. You're out of whack. You're not studying my word. You're not staying focused. It's not singleness of eye. You're not, you're not an enlightened one right now because you're, you're an enlightened one who's lost his way. I lost my way, but when I got it back, I have never looked back. This was many, many years ago, and it was a trivial situation. So trivial. God loves us enough to take us by the collar, Give a little pat on the back and say, look, you're going the wrong direction. Here, this is the right course. Puts you back on course. Why? Because he wants to give you those rewards in the future. Isn't that something? Wow. I'm going to read that from Philippians. It's in Philippians. Uh, when I get back from this song, I will read it where Paul says, God will put you back on course to get your rewards. But in uh, Isaiah, I want to compare this to our broken fellowship. It's like you got your broken fellowship, you're feeling kind of dirty, you're feeling kind of unclean. Not spiritually, just in your mind. 
So you dive in that water. Imagine this, like an eagle. Eagles, every once in a while, will dive from high up into the water, spread off, uh, wash off all those dirty leaves. They'll come apart from their body. They'll come out of the water shaken, and they won't have any new feathers for a few days. But they come back brand new. I came back brand new. People couldn't believe who I was when I came out. And it wasn't that long. It was long enough to get me. All I did was research what I'd learned and build upon it. And I wrote a book about it, Christ in a Mystery. I outlined it. I studied it. I did it every day. I knew what I was there for. I knew what my calling was. I knew what I was chosen for. I didn't go to prison to become a gangbanger. <laughs> I didn't go there to steal, kill, and destroy. I went there to become what God called me to be. And I hope some of you are benefiting from my coming back to God and Christ in you in the mystery. But it says here, Isaiah 40, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles and shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. That's what happens when you get yourself back in fellowship. You still have eternal life. God wants you to keep it that way. Here's a song, one of my favorite songs, about being a son of God when a man was lost and lonely, and it changed his life. Ooh, that's not it. It's right here. Here it is.
changed, yet the truth remains the same. Enlightenment Radio, a movement around the world, is with you 24 hours of music, live broadcast, and a mystical approach to the teachings of Christ at themysticalvoyage.com. That was a wonderful song. Joe Farrell, Shakedown Press together. Like an eagle, I knew that I was God's son, and I was a chosen one. Well, I told you I'd find that verse in Philippians. How'd you like that new station ID, by the way? I've got that in Hindi and Ukraine. Next week, I'm going to have you a special 
Guy Sweeney's station ID in Hindi. Ah, that's how much I love you. <clears throat> in Philippians, Paul says, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. What is the high calling? The high calling is the highest words you can get, and one of them is to reign in a kingdom of your own. It's in my book, Kingdom Reign. Read it. Well, he presses toward the mark of the high calling. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if anything, if anything, here it is, you otherwise are minded, God will reveal even this unto you. That's it. He's basically saying, if you be anywhere off course, God will bring you back on course. There's many ways of looking at that verse, but that's what it means. That's what it says. God wants you back on course. Now, I've got a few more minutes. We'll conclude. I just wanted to go over something with you. That King James fouls it up. Romans 8:15. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again. Remember, you receive the spirit, now you're the new son of God. What is the spirit? The spirit is the seed, and Christ is the spirit, and spirit is the seed. It's all one thing. But you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Whoa, 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 hold up here. We didn't receive the spirit of adoption. My daddy didn't adopt me, and I'm not putting down, love you, adopted people, but this is concerning in the context of God's seed. The word adoption, everywhere you see it, scratch it out in the King James. It's the word sonship. Sonship. Gosh, that aches me and pains me when people continue to read that to an audience. It just grieves the Holy Spirit. You ever heard that term? The Holy Spirit in me just goes, I hate that. <laughs> I did all that work to give you my seed, not adopt you. He adopted Israel. People, they got it backwards. And Israel is the bride of Christ. Go to the HolySpiritSocialClub.com, and I have a whole chapter on there. Are the Jews extinct? They're not even one of them alive today. So what do we care? They're adopted. God's going to get them up later and give them their adopted world paradise. We're going to be spiritual beings in a spiritual kingdom. Romans 8, 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. What that means is, when Jesus Christ rose from among the dead, he became the first spiritual being of a new race of spiritual beings. It's the only way I know how to put it. 
new new race of spiritual beings. That's it. I don't. His body, soul, and spirit was atomically and anatomically combined. It was fused together into one, and became a new spiritual race for God. That's the only way I know how to explain it. It's in my book. Read it. <laughs> well, he says here, but he goes all the way to say, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to it, the redemption of our body. No, we're not waiting for the adoption. We're waiting for the sonship to materialize after the return of Christ. There's only a few verses like that. Romans 9, 4. Who are Israelites to whom pertaineth? What? I, did, what? I didn't make this up. Did I not tell you Israel is the adopted? I didn't make it up. I didn't write the book. Here it is. What, what are these pastors thinking? Putting Israelites and Jews who are not Jews, who are not Israelites, they're not the sons of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I don't know who they are. They're just a cross between a bunch of Arabs and Heatites and Meatites, and they occupy Israel. They're not Jews. There's no, nobody that has any DNA or paperwork that can prove they're anything else. There is no connection between Woody Allen and Golda Meir, or Barbara Streisand and Benjamin Netanyahu. There is no connection. They just call themselves Jews. I don't know where they get that stuff. Ethnicity, maybe. I don't know, but not seed. So, here it says, Romans, who are the Israelites to whom pertaineth the adoption? That's Romans 9, 4. I didn't write the book. Paul is given revelation here that the Jews were adopted. That's who pertains the adoption. And the glory and the covenants and all of that stuff. Now let me read you from Galatians 1, 4, 5. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might be received the adoption of sons. No, wrong again, King James. I want to slap them. Scratch that word adoption out. Sonship is the word. To redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. No, that we might receive the sonship of sons. And the biggest there is in Ephesians, of all places, right at the beginning. He has predestinated us, Ephesians 1, 5, unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. God took all those thousands of years to create a spiritual seed from the perfect woman who had the perfect ovaries, who had the perfect life, to give us the Son of Jesus Christ to make us a seed that we could have eternally not be adopted. He doesn't want adopted children in his spiritual kingdom. He's got adopted children all over here in paradise, the Jews, who never cared much or adopted or, or obeyed him in the first place. 
So I just wanted to point out those few verses in the scriptures that pertain to the word adoption. You can just scratch it out and put the word sonship in there in its place. Okay? You can do that. I'll let you. Now, hear those noises? <laughs> Following the sun, enigma. Just pretend something for me, will you? It's spelled S-O-N. Thank you. God bless you for listening. It's been a wonderful night. We went a little long, but it's better to go long than to cut you short. You deserve every single word that I give you. You deserve every single Perfect scripture, perfect word that I give you. This has been Mystic Guide, your host. God bless you. Good night. Follow the Son, Jesus Christ.